Jesus, we just thank you again for today. We thank you for everything that you have done. And uh, Lord, we just put our future into your hands. And as I share briefly, Lord, right here, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we want to have your heart. We want to have your vision. We want to hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, if you have a Bible with you, just turn briefly to Matthew 16. Uh, Matthew 16, 13 to 18 is going to be my passage today and for the next couple weeks, actually. But Matthew 16, uh, again, verses 13 to 18. Uh, I'm going to read out the ESV translation, uh, which is what I normally read out of, but you can follow along on your device or on a Bible. We're going to look back to it a couple times, so I'd encourage you to keep it open. But this is what it says in Matthew 16. This is, this is what it says. It says, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. For those of you who have been in Israel, he was in Galilee before this teaching, and he traveled about 30 miles north to Caesarea Philippi. And it says, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Question mark. Who, who do they say? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, "Um, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you have your Bible open, I encourage you to put put the bulletin in there or something. Read the rest of this story. Later, we're going to be talking about it. We're starting a series called Upon This Rock. And listen, I got God put this passage in my heart months ago, way before I knew what I was going to even announce today. But the truth is, I know that we're in transition. The truth is, we know that the season of coming here to worship at 400 West 2nd Street is coming to an end. We understand that there is a new season coming. We understand that things might look different as a church. We understand that that feeling can even be unsettling, right? It can be a little bit, hey, there's a shift coming. But I'm here to tell you that the rock that we are built upon is not this building or any sort of ministry or location or how much money we have in the bank or what kind of music we play. But there is a greater rock that as a church we are built upon. And Jesus wanted to clearly communicate this to his disciples when he took them outside of Galilee. He took them up to Caesarea Philippi, which is actually a a place where there's a lot of idol worship, pagan worship, a lot of evil witchcraft worship that was up there to speak to his disciples. And he said this, just this powerful passage, right? This powerful statement, again, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I just briefly today, uh, really briefly today, listen, I just want to remind us, right? The church is not the people. Is, is the people, right? The church is never a building, right? And when he says this, right, I am building my church. He wasn't saying, hey, we're looking for land somewhere in, I don't know, maybe Samaria or Judea. He didn't say that. He wasn't looking for land. He wasn't looking for a building. He wasn't looking for stained glass windows, right? He wasn't looking for even the synagogue. The word church is ecclesia, right? It's the assembly. It's a group of people, people who have one thing in common. What is that one thing in common? The one thing in common is that we believe that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and we live to make his name famous. Amen? That's what the church is. 
It is people who believe they are saved and know that they are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we live to make ourselves famous. I mean, make, make him famous, right? Listen, it wasn't two churches or three churches or four churches working in CR in Costa Rica. Or it wasn't a group of missionaries in Romania or a group partnered with orphanage. It was one church, right? It's not 30 churches in Berks County or 50 churches in Berks County. It's one church. Listen, it's not, you know, churches in many different countries all over the world. There is one church, one group of people who are all connected to make the name of Jesus famous, right? Listen, are there churches that have forsaken that vision? Are there churches that no longer believe in the name of Jesus Christ, that he's the only way? He's not the truth and the light anymore? Yes, there is. But for the churches that believe and trust still in this word of God, there is one church that is coming together to make his name famous, And we're all different, right? We all have different abilities. It says this in Romans chapter 12, right? That, hey, just like a body has different parts, right? Different strengths and weaknesses. That's the body of Christ. But listen, if there's one thing that I took away from being in Costa Rica again, it's just like, wow, like, man, we can travel so far and yet we're all so unified together. You know, and, and we just feel it doesn't matter our skin color, our nationality, our, our culture, what kind of songs we want to sing. It doesn't even matter how we go do ministry. It might look different what they did in Romania and in Zambia and the country. They all look a little different. But we're all living to make the name of Jesus famous. The church is the people. Everybody say that with me. The church is the people. Right? And let me just say this quickly. Next thought. The church is built upon Jesus. Right? I mean, the question Jesus said is, who do people say that I am, basically? That's what he was saying. Right? And, and, and out of all the disciples, who do you say? And Peter spoke up, and he says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Anointed One, the One sent from heaven. And, and I love this, because Peter says, listen, I just want you to know, Simon, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You didn't come up on your own with that conclusion, right? You didn't just like, it just popped in your head or someone did work to get that. No, God revealed that to you, right? And then he makes it clear, right? And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock, I am going to build my church, meaning upon this foundation, right? Upon this this unmovable rock. The word rock there in this passage is Petra. It's a noun. It's it's a Greek word. It means a giant immovable rock. Many people back in that day, they would think of the the rock of Gibraltar that was in the tip of Spain at the end of the Mediterranean Sea because it was this huge rock. That's a picture of the rock of Gibraltar. It was unmovable, right? And, and that's what Jesus was saying. It, it's almost like bedrock. When you build a building, you dig down into the rock of the earth, the bedrock, because it's unmovable. And Jesus says, this is the foundation. And I, I just share three quick things. One, Jesus clarified who he was. This could have easily been a moment where Jesus said, hey, by the way, I'm not really God's son. I'm just a good person. But no, he said, I am. You're right. He says, who do you think I am? But he says, you're right. So he re-clarifies that he was God's son. Second, again, he identifies this is our foundation, right? This is the thing that does it not move. And only God can reveal that foundation to people. Listen, hard work won't reveal it. My preaching, someone else's preaching or teaching, a beautiful worship song won't reveal it. Chicken soup for your soul will not reveal it to you. Only God in heaven will reveal that. 
Why are we asking for son to pray for summer breakout? Because unless God reveals the truth to people in our community, nothing will happen. Many of you know, man, I just felt like I should start coming to church. Man, I just felt like all of a sudden, like I felt being drawn to God. All of a sudden, someone has a dream. Angels are coming. I know I need God. How does that happen? Jesus is the one who does the work, right? And he is our foundation. He and he alone. And let me just clarify just really quickly, just for the record, Jesus is not calling Peter the rock, okay? There are church denominations that believe when Jesus says, um, and Peter, you know, it says on this rock, they think they're talking about Peter. Because some of you know Jesus changes Peter's name. He was Simon, but he says, I'm going to call you now Peter. You know, and Peter actually means boulder in the Greek, like a rock in the Greek, but it's a smaller rock, Petros. But then he says, upon this rock, Petra, I'm building the church. It's not building upon Peter. It's building upon the truth of who Jesus is. Listen, church, church, and we just big picture here. If the church is built upon man, we are in trouble. Okay? Okay? I mean, I, I just think, like, how do, how do they misinterpret this? I mean, I mean, and, and, and I say this humbly. Listen, I know there's a lot of disagreements in church. I'm not trying to blast any other denomination or people who believe that, but it's just like, I mean, can you see the error that when you look at all of God's redemption story in all of Scripture, it all is about God our Father who through Jesus Christ we can be redeemed. That's revealed through the Holy Spirit. It's not a man work. And if that's not enough proof, how about you keep reading in the story when Peter rebukes Jesus and in the same exact moment, Jesus calls him the devil for having that kind of thought. Listen, Peter is not the foundation. Man is not the foundation. I'm not the foundation. Any church staff is not the foundation. Any anointed man or woman of God that God is using is not the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Amen? That is what the church is built upon. And Jesus laid that foundation through his blood and through his resurrection, right? I mean, Ephesians 2.20, right? Upon this foundation, Christ himself being the cornerstone, that's the foundation of the church. And again, he, he laid this out through his death, through his resurrection. Listen, I, I read it this morning. I'll just read it really quickly here. You know, uh, it says in Revelation, it says, Jesus, you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, right? And you made them a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Like, how awesome is that, right? Just to know that we're all together recognizing, Jesus, you gave your blood for us, and you set us free right? And this is the church. And now we are sent out. Every one of us who put our faith in Jesus are called priests in the kingdom of God. Do you love Jesus and believe in Jesus today? Somebody say amen if that's you. You're a priest for the kingdom of God. Not my words, what it says here, what Jesus revealed to John in Revelation, right? And again, we just need to constantly remind ourselves this, right? As we're going through this and we're looking for a church, right? No, no, no. Jesus is our foundation. Listen, I love that we do mission trips. I love our worship. Listen, I love that we're such a friendly church and we have great ministries to children and youth. That isn't our foundation. Jesus Christ is our rock and foundation that is immovable. Amen? 
Amen. And listen, the last thing I'm going to say, right? The last thing I'm going to say here is, listen, the church will be victorious. Listen, listen. Sometimes we just like, we're just Debbie Downers a little bit, okay? And I can be a Debbie Downer, and forgive me, anybody whose name is Debbie, I probably shouldn't say that, okay? <laughs> forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But we can, we, can just, we can just be so down about things. Jesus, listen, I am going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you think we need to hear that sometimes? Do you think we need to hear that today? Listen, I get it. I, I, I get it. Listen, we can bring up any statistic you want right now in American church. We can bring up the statistic of how it's in decline, how many churches are closing, decrease in attendance, oh, there's less young people, Christians are living just like the world. Listen, our world's becoming so lawless. There's so much wickedness, right? There's so many people who are arguing the church, hurt by the church. There's many statistics. You can show them to me all, but I don't care. You know why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, the church is going to prevail. And the gates of hell is going to be destroyed. It was declared back then. It's the same today. Right? And if we go into whatever God has next for us, like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I already know what's going to happen. God's church will be victorious. And as long as Jesus is our foundation, we are a part of that. Right? And I'm so excited. I mean, listen, if you look at the early church, you look at the early church and you look at, yes, was there Holy Spirit fell and there's thousands who came to Jesus, 3,000 one day, 5,000 another day. Church is exploding. Miracles are happening. It's incredible. But do you know that there was massive persecution? It started with the Jews persecuting them. It started with some of the Roman Caesars who were raised up like Nero in, in about 54 AD to 68 Nero, who was taking Christians and throwing them into the Colosseum to be eaten by wild beasts. Do you know that that was like a, a national pastime in that day? It was like, oh, there's a holiday. Let's get everybody in the Colosseum. Let's grab some of those Christians and throw them in front of gladiators and let's watch them die. Do you know that was so popular they actually expanded the Colosseum so more people could come watch Christians die? Do you know that they would hang Christians? Oh, we got a road project going on. We're going to take Christians. We're going to tie them on poles every 50 feet, and we're going to light them on fire as our light at night so that we can work still. Do you know that's what they were doing? Listen, it wasn't easy. Do you know that there were Christians who were leaving the church because they didn't want to go through that, and they were struggling through that? Do you know that there was issues of massive wickedness in, in that culture that day? Homosexuality, bisexuality, pedophilia, it was all accepted in that day. Do you know there was a time it did not look like the church was victorious? Do you know that there were people who were saying, I am going to destroy every single Christian? It wasn't Nero. It was Vespian. It was Domination. It was Marcus Aurelius. It was later Voltaire. Listen, it's later John Lennon when he said, God is dead. Listen, there are always someone who's going to say, the church is going to fail. But there is one person who said the church isn't going to fail, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he proved it when he gave up his life for you and for me. And he rose again. It looked for three days like the church was going to fail until Jesus rose again. And, and, and we, we just have to 
see this. Listen, it looked in Genesis 3 when, when the, Adam and Eve failed in the garden, right? It looked like, oh no, the devil won. But, but God said, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to put someone in that woman eventually, right? And he is going to uh, crush the, the, he, the, the devil, right? It says it in Genesis 3. Listen, it says in Revelation, go to the back of Revelation, it tells us Jesus is coming on a white horse with his armies, right? And, and the end is already written. And why do I say this to us today? Is it just because we're trying to figure out where we're going in the building? No, I don't. Because I know that's going to get worked out. I say this because I, I, just, I just think sometimes we forget that Jesus is victorious. I think sometimes we forget that if we put our faith in Jesus, we're on the winning team. I think sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with so many details of life, we miss the big picture, right? I, I think there's so many people that choose to live as a victim. Church, you can live as a victim or you can live victorious. Which way do you want to live? One way or the other. And listen, sometimes we are persecuted. Sometimes it's downright hard. Sometimes we don't see what God is doing. But I can still live victorious because I know that Christ is victorious. And I know his church is victorious. And I can rely upon that truth. And I just, I just today, today's just a day for us to just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Right? Today, we're celebrating all the good work God did on all these trips. I'm just thankful. Can I just say that? I'm just thankful everyone's back safe, right? Like, can we give God praise for that? I know we let go our young children, many parents who let go of their youth, and many loved ones and, and, and spouses and all that stuff, and we, we travel, right? And, and we know, hey, God's got it, but we're just, sometimes we got to just say, God, thank you for little things. But in the same way, we can say, God, thank you for big things. You're doing a great work. It's not us. We're just a, the, the tiniest fraction of that work. But I want to be a part of that work. I want to know that I'm in and walking in the will of God with my life. I want to be on the winning team. And, and I, I, just, I just humbly ask some of you today, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you trying to do it yourself? Has God revealed to you who Jesus is? He's not just some other good person. God is asking you even today. He asked Peter, Peter, who do you say I am? He's asking you, who do you say Jesus is? How you answer that question will shape your life. That one question. But if you answer correctly, you are the Savior, you are God's Son, and you died for me, I'm telling you, life changes. And you go from death to life. You go from being on the losing team to being on the winning team right? It might look like the church is losing today, but I'm telling you one thing, there's going to be a great comeback, right? Guess what? We were all happy when the Eagles were winning at halftime. They still lost the Super Bowl. We all cried. It's all good, right? There are moments it looks like we're losing. Jesus made it clear. I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will you stand with me today as we close? Will you bow your heads today with me? You know, I was thinking this thought in, in this morning. The greatest decision that I ever made was when I made the decision to join the winning team and to ask Christ into my life and say, I'm going to live for you forever. It's the greatest decision. It's the most important decision I've ever made in my entire life. 
And it's the greatest benefit that my life will ever have out of anything else that I've ever done. The greatest benefit that I have is that I said yes to Jesus Christ. Because I know that no matter what happens to my life, I hate flying. I know that plane goes down. It does not matter. I'm on the winning team and I know exactly where I am going and where I'm going to end up. And it is the number one decision that I have to make for myself before I make any sort of other decisions for anybody else in my life. I don't care what my wife says. I don't care what my kids say. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what the neighbors say. I only care about what I say because it affects me. And when I make that decision, then I do care and I pray for my wife and my kids and my parents and my sister and my neighbors around me as well. But I just ask in this moment, maybe God's revealing to you today. Maybe you would say that if your life came to an end today, you're not sure if you're on the winning team. I ask you, if the skies open up and Jesus comes back today, are you excited about that? Or are you nervous about that? Because today is a day that you can be excited about that. I just want to take a moment. I'm not going to make any hoopla about this, but I'm just going to ask, is there anybody here today that would just say, Pastor Devin, I just want to ask Christ into my life and in my heart because I want to know that I know that if Jesus comes back, I'm ready. I want to I be on the winning team. Is there anybody here that would just slip up a quick hand and just say, pray for me, Pastor Devin? Anybody here that God is speaking to your heart? Anybody here, just put your hand up so we can pray for you. Anybody here today? Thank you. Anybody here today? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody here today? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else here today? Anybody else here today? Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to be on your winning team today. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to be on your winning team today. Here's what I'm going to do. I just want to ask some of our Costa Rican team to come down here in the altars. And uh, I'm just going to ask some of our prayer team that normally prays. If your spouse is on the Costa Rican team, you can come with them. Or, you know, we're just going to ask some of our leaders, you know, in our church, maybe some of our elders to come down front. Because here's what I want to pray. Some of you who raised your hand, I want you to take a step out and I want you to come pray with somebody in a moment. Listen, there's going to be some other people praying, but I want you to come and, and, and be prayed for and let them lead you in a prayer and let them get, help you to truly surrender your life to Jesus Christ. But here's what else I want to do. Church, everybody just look here real quick. Listen, sometimes we can get pulled down and we're not living victorious, are we? Sometimes we're, we're just living, we're just defeated We're just living with our heads down. We're just living discouraged, addicted, depressed, right? Overwhelmed. Listen, this isn't how Jesus wants us to live. Listen, there are moments that we're overwhelmed with emotion and that's okay, right? I had one or two in Costa Rica. It's okay, right? But we don't want to live that way every single day. And these people are here because today I believe that God wants to set some of you free from a downcast spirit. Jesus says later, he says, I give, you the, I give you authority, I give you the keys. You can open up doors and shut doors, right? There's an authority that God has given us. Will we walk in it? That is the question. The authority's there, the key's there. Are we gonna use the key or are we not? So worship team's gonna play. I'm just going to ask some of you, God is speaking to your hearts. Lord, I just release the work that you want to do 
in people's life. It's not the work that I want to do. I don't care how many people come to the altar, Lord, but I'm thankful for the work that you want to do in someone's life today and you want to set them free. I'm thankful for those who made the decision to follow you today. Lord, we pray that you would seal it today. And as we intercede, Lord, we know some of those great testimonies that we heard, some of those healing works that we heard, you can do it today, Lord. And we're standing upon that today we ask and pray and we're thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, we're just going to take a moment here. Come on, God, speak into some of your hearts. Take a step of boldness today and step out and come and receive the prayer that you need today. Jesus is victorious today. Hallelujah, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. You come as we take a moment to pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the one. Thank you, Lord, for the two, God. Thank you.